1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au.
0: The real question is, how are you using what God does give you? And maybe that might be an indicator of whether or not you get more.
1: Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we continue in our help series as we hear the second half of financial distress. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. So how can we cultivate a healthy relationship with our finances? How are we using what God has given us?
0: God said to him, You fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. How? Are you using your stuff?
1: This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we continue Pastor Jeff's message on financial
0: distress. In the parable, Jesus is highlighting one primary illusion or in the case of this man, delusion. And here's what it is. The illusion that I'm in control of my money and that it all comes from me. Jesus does not begin the parable with these words. There was a powerful, clever, talented, intelligent man who manufactured his own success. That's not how he starts the parable. He starts it like this. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Here's the million dollar question now. Who made the ground? We've been down this road before. I'm not sure we like it, but let's go again. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and all who live in it for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. You see, here's the deal. If you're the creator of everything, then you own it. It's all your stuff. That's what Jesus is saying, is that everything you and I have is from God. But when you say that, there are two types of people who respond to that kind of issue. The first is this, they deny it. Now, I want you to notice in the parable, here's what the guy says. He says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and I will store all my grain and my goods, and I'll say to myself, eat, drink, be merry, and the rest. Now, when I say this to somebody, and I say, hey, look, everything you have is on loan from God, it doesn't come from you, someone will say, wait a minute, Jeff, I disagree. I worked hard for all this. I did this. Who gave you your hands? Who gave you your intellect? Who gave you your talents and abilities? Who gave you the birth? Who gave you breath to breathe the breath of life? Okay, so you've been a good steward. Well done, Jesus would say. In the case of the rich man, Jesus' point is it's God's dirt, it's God's rain, and it's his sunshine. Without it, you got nothing. You got no crop. It's Jesus' way of saying, look, it doesn't belong to you. It all comes from God. It's his. Now, what's amazing to me is no matter... That we're in this financial crisis My my children still ask me for money all the time. I, I, it doesn't happen to you does it it's just with me I picked my son Delaney up over at Citrus. We're coming home And he says dad, you know, I really worked hard this morning. I thought oh, here we come here. We go He said, can we stop at Arby's so we stopped at Arby's now imagine this we go to Arby's now What happened to the day of five sandwiches for five bucks? That's that's gone. All right. So we pull up to the window and I say, Doanny, what do you want? Now I'm buying the milk. Keep that in mind. I'm paying for the meal Because he, he, he wants to stop, but he doesn't want to pay, right? So I said, what do you want? He said, I'll take a number seven. Nine bucks, folks. It was over nine bucks. Because, of course, he made it upsize. <laughs> he got the food. We passed it to the back seat. His mother asked him for a couple of French fries. He says, no. <laughs> What's wrong with this picture? It's my meal paid for it. I just want a couple of fries. No matter how many times I go down this road, it's amazing to, how, to me how many mature believers, when I say to them, it all belongs to God. He gives it to you. He asks for 10% back. You say no. Now that's as ludicrous as two french fries. But that's the way we live because we deny. We may give verbiage to it. We may say, yeah, I know everything comes from God. But in reality, the way we live, we don't believe that. We think it's all ours and we did it. The second group of people, they feel like, yes, Jeff, I know everything comes from God, but I'm entitled. God owes me because I've been good. Now, folks, I want to read to you excerpts from a dog's diary. We're in 1010 here, okay? 8 a.m dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30, a car ride, my favorite thing. 10.30, a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 12 o'clock, lunch, my favorite thing. 3 o'clock, wag my tail, my favorite thing. 5 o'clock, milk bones, my favorite thing. 11 o'clock, sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. Now, I want to read to you the diary of a cat. (laughs) Entry number one, day 983 of my captivity. My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. They dine lavishly on fresh meat while other inmates and I are fed hash or some sort of nuggets. The only thing that keeps me going is the dream of escape. In an attempt to disgust them, I once again vomit on the carpet. Today, I decapitated a mouse and dropped its headless body at their feet. I had hoped this would strike fear into their hearts and clearly demonstrate what I'm capable of. However, they merely made condescending comments about what a good little hunter I am. Losers. (laughs) Now, I want to introduce you to somebody. This is my daughter. Bring Milo on out, Sion. This is my daughter. This is the family dog, Milo. Hello, Milo. Milo, sit. Sit. Speak. 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 Take him on. Thank you, Milo. Thank you, Sion. Now, why did I show you that little illustration? Because of this. My dog Milo loves getting treats. At the end of the day, he will go and stand by the treat door and wait till he gets his treats, unless he's been bad. That's right. If Milo's been on the couch when he's not supposed to be on the couch, or if he's tracked mud in from outside or whatever, Milo doesn't go to the treat door. He goes right upstairs to the bed beside Sian's bed because he knows he's been a bad boy, and dogs repent. <laughs> you ever seen a cat repent no you have not you know why because cats are evil the dog is happy to get whatever it gets the cat though sense of entitlement and if things aren't going well my captors are bad people they're not giving me what I think I deserve or what I want now we laugh at that but I'm telling you more people in humanity resemble the cat than they do the dog Let me give you a little entitlement test. When things are going bad in your life, do you do this? God, where are you? How could you? Why aren't you giving me what I deserve, what I want? And when things go really well, you do this. It's about time. (laughs) That's called entitlement. And the best thing about the economic crisis is that the illusion of who's in control gets exposed. I'm not saying this is a good thing. There's a lot of pain in this and I'm not happy that it's here. But one good thing that comes out of it is that we we gain a sense of freedom from the illusion. God hopes that when people face a reality like this, that they will be more aware from where everything comes and who's really in control and we will repent and understand that no one is really entitled. That everything that you get after life and the breath of life into you is just icing on the cake. And there's a big difference between what you think you need and what you desire. Moreover, since God is the one really in control, since it all belongs to him, I want to be clear about what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that everything you have is on loan. It belongs to him. He pulled up to the window, he ordered and he paid for it. That it's not your stuff, it's not my stuff, it's not your body, it's not my body, it's not your mind, not your IQ. You didn't engineer any of it, it all comes from God. And because of that, Jesus is saying this, because it does all come from God, then God has the right to ask you this question. How are you using my stuff? God demanded you full this very night. Your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Demanded is the Greek word, it's a financial Greek word. It's used by a lender when a loan comes due. God asks you at the end when it all goes back in the box, This question in what have you invested what i've given to you Say it again. It all goes back into the box. It all goes back into the box So the question is how are you using your stuff? Now before I get into what it means, are you rich toward god? Because that's what jesus asked That's the real question. Are you rich toward god? Let's do a quick review. Number one Are we being deceived by our money? Do you think it's eternal? Do you think it's going to meet some great need of yours? When one day the waves can come crashing in? Two, who's really in control of your wealth? Not you, everything belongs to God. Homer wrote this, "'Tis man's to fight, but heaven's to give success." Now I'm gonna say something here that I hope will open our eyes a little. Let's say that I have invited all my golfing buddies for a little cup of coffee. And I'm gonna give them golf balls. I've got Dane Johnson here, my golfing buddy. And I've got four others here. And I give Dane five golf balls, nice new Pro V1s, which if you're a golfer, know that's Pro V1X, great golf ball. So you got Dane Johnson, I give him five, my next friend 10, 15, 20, and I give this guy four dozen. And then Dane looks at me and says, that's not fair. Why? He got more. Well, wait a minute. None of you deserve any. It's all the gift of generosity. So just because you get five and he gets four dozen, you can't say that's not fair. Because I'm the giver of the gift. I determine who gets what. That's what Jesus tries to say in the parable of the talents. He doesn't tell us why one got one, one got two, one got three or whatever. He just says, I determine who gets what. And you can't stand up and say because somebody gets a lot more wealth than somebody else, then it's unfair because the reality is you deserve nothing. Whatever you get is just icing on the cake. The real question is, how are you using what God does give you? And maybe that might be an indicator of whether or not you get more.
1: This is today with Jeff Bynes, and his message, financial distress, is a healthy reminder to be rich towards God rather than storing up riches for ourselves in this life. Let's continue now. Three,
0: where does one find contentment? (laughs) Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. I'll say to myself, Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, anybody who's done this, ask anybody who's retired. They've gotten to the end of their life. Do you know that's usually when a lot of men get sick? When they get depressed? You know that? It's amazing the statistics because when you think that you've got enough, the first thing you discover is that contentment does not come with plenty. You're always aching for something else. And two, that life is fragile. The market could change because if your contentment is based upon stuff, then you're contentment is going to be temporary at best because it will fluctuate with the market. When you got a lot, you'll be happy. When you don't, you'll not be happy. That's why Jesus says, life is about more than money and stuff and contentment and peace and all that can come into your life without fluctuating or depending on the market. That's what Jesus is trying to say. If you invest your entire life in stuff and you stockpile and hoard, then at the end of your life, it's wood, hay and stubble and you'll be burned up quite easily. You're like a straw man. There's not much to you. But now listen to what I say this. In the peak of the American economy in the 90s, the depression level among Americans rose 20%. So that ought to tell you right there. Happiness is not tied to stuff. We had it and we were depressed and we were growing more and more depressed. Why? Because your soul knows something very well. You can trick yourself, you can kid your your brain, but you cannot deceive your soul. It knows internally that if life is just about stuff, it knows that one day you're going to die and the stuff will be gone. The death ratio is still the same one death per person. It's never going to change everybody's going to die. Your soul cannot be deceived. If you spend all your life trying to gain more and more stuff and you think you're gonna, your happiness and contentment and peace is based on that, you will deceive yourself and depression will intensify. The reason, so, listen, the reason so many people in the room right now are still disappointed, are still frustrated, are still lonely, are still just miserable is because your soul knows that you're not attached to anything that is permanent. That your life is about stuff. Now say it with me again. It all goes back in the box. It all goes back into the box. Let me tell you something. Guys, man to man. Every woman in this room wants to be hooked up to a man who lives his life for something greater than himself. She desperately wants to be tied to a man who lives for eternal stuff who lives for important stuff, whose life is not just about climbing the corporate ladder and getting more and more things. And you think that's what's gonna make your wife happy? She wants to know that you your purpose is, oh, it's heavenly, it's from above, it's other world. And she's depressed and you're depressed and we're depressed because we fell for the lie. It did sneak up on us. We weren't watching out and it's ingrained deeply. Okay, Jeff, if you're so smart, where does real contentment come? First of all, again, these are the words of Jesus. These aren't mine. I'm just relaying. Don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) You have to ask the fourth question. And the last one God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Here's the fourth question then How are you using your stuff? Where am I going with this? Here's where I'm going. You know, look, you know in this room, I don't have to give you illustrations, you know that the most joyous and contented times in your life, the events that make you most happy, I mean, not just superficially happy, but down deep, are when you're giving, not receiving. Giving to somebody that you love, and you see their response, and you know what you've done. I go back every Christmas. I tell the same story, and I'll tell it again this Christmas. My grandfather that gave me the big box, and there was nothing in it. How cruel that is! By the way, he's the husband of the cruel grandmother of Monopoly. I just tied it together just now. It was a, it just dawned on me. This is what they were mean to me, man. But Grandma went down. <coughs> Grandpa gives me this big box. There's nothing in it. I'm I'm yelling, Grandpa, how could you do this? I get to the bottom, there's a little card. The card says, go look under Grandpa's bed. I go look under Grandpa's bed, and there's a big red rider sled. I get the sled out. Here's the deal. I remember that, but not because, i got lots of nice gifts from my grandparents, but why do I remember that one more than anything? Let me tell you why. I saw an expression on my grandfather's face I'd never seen before. He had a tough, tough upbringing. And it dawned on me later that it was the joy of making his grandson so thrilled. You see, you know that true happiness and contentment is not going to come from stockpiling and hoarding, yet you do it. And you know why, don't you? You're terrified one day you won't have enough and you don't want to trust God. Real joy happens. See, can I tell you how God meant this to happen? He meant it to all take place by us loving each other, by us taking care of each other right here. That's why the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, That's why he establishes the church. As a matter of fact, one historian in writing how the early church operated wrote these words. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, folks, don't misunderstand. This is not communistic living. It's not. Because the apostle Paul will say later, you don't work, you don't eat. It's not a community whereby the wealthy ones or those who are working hard and have the money feed and clothe and give money to all those who are lazy and don't want to work. That's not what the new church is about. It's about, though, that God has blessed some of us with an abundance. And some of us are having trouble getting jobs, feeding our families, eating, surviving. The new community of God was established and set up so that we would love each other and take care of each other's genuine, authentic needs. That's why in Galatians 6, Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's why we're so passionate about getting you in community, into life groups. That's why the tent's out there. Listen, tell me if I'm wrong now. Not now, just do it later. But listen, (laughs) listen, isn't it true That we want people to help us and we get very angry at the church when they don't come into our rescue us from our need. When in reality is a lot of times the church is not even aware that your need exists. Why? Because you're not in community. You're not living life with a community of believers who can pray for you. When you're in one of these life groups, here's what happens. If you lose your job, you got some people here who love you and are going to help get you back on your feet. That's what the community of the church does. And if your need is really grandiose and big, then it moves from the small group to the church as a whole. That a great part of what you do when you give is to make sure that those who are less fortunate, who are trying to work and who are just on some hard times, that the church is able to love one another, to take care of each other's needs. The problem with the guy in the parable wasn't that he had money. It wasn't. Nowhere does Jesus say that. He just says that the guy is self-centered, that all of it came as a blessing from God, but after he received it, he forgot God. And to whom much is given, much is required. That's why we have a passion for single moms in our church and in the community, for the children in this community with our after-school programs, for the children who are suffering in Zimbabwe, for those who are hurting the salt, the light, to be a light for God in this community. That's why Bread Runners, a very successful ministry at CCV, is taking food out, delivering food to those who are in need. Do you see what I'm saying? Every single one of you got to go home today. You have to. I can't make you. I'm really encouraging you. Go home. Sit down with your husband, with your wife, with your children. And I want you to add, this is your homework. I want you to ask each other four questions and be honest. Not to tell me it's none of my business. My job is to present the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convince and your spot, uh, convict and your responsibility to, to respond. But you've got to ask each other these four questions. Number one, have I been deceived by money? Do I think I'm taking it all with me so I'm stockpiling and hoarding it for myself? Now, are you saying, Jeff, that I shouldn't plan for retirement? Well, of course, I'm not saying that. Of course you should. But the more you get, the more generous you should be. Not only taking care of yourselves, but others because it all comes from God. Do I think I'm in control? Number two, do I think I'm in control? By the way, first in the household of God, do I think I'm in control? You know, God can take your money, all of it away from you tomorrow if he wants to, to get your attention. Remember what we said last week? Oftentimes God will strip you of everything you depend upon other than himself. Because he wants you dependent on money. Three, where do I find contentment? the more wealth you have, do you find yourself more happy, more content? Well, let me give you some good news. It's only going to last for a while until you think you need more money. And then you're right back into the pit of depression. Real contentment comes with with the last question. How do you use your stuff? You have to ask yourself, are you rich toward God? You have to ask if you're using the stuff God has given you in the right way. And those of you who are hurting in this room, if you've invested in community, I know with all confidence you're being taken care of. For those of you who haven't, this is not a judgmental sermon to say that you deserve what you got. That's not the purpose. The purpose is let us know of your need. Get in a life group. Go out there and get in a group of people who will love you, will help you, and be there for you when you need it next time. Do it now because the economy, the world does ebb and flow. Am I rich toward God? That's the only thing I wanted to ask you. You know why? Because it all goes back into the box. Say it one more time. It all goes back in. Where's the vigor? This is the, second, this is the second service. With the energy now, it all goes back into the box. I hope you live your life like it does. Father, thank you for your goodness, your mercy, for the powerful message out of Luke, the powerful reminder that everything belongs to you. It's yours. We're not entitled. Everything we have is a gift of mercy and grace. And that the real question is, how are we using the stuff God gives to us? What are we doing with it? Where's our motivation? Where's our passion? And Father, I pray that here at Christ Church of the Valley, we would become a church, a body of believers where we love each other, man, where we help each other, where we're concerned about each other's needs and we get into community, into life groups. Father, where we're loving each other, helping each other, taking care of one another, thus fulfilling the law of God, that we love our neighbor as ourselves. And we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Open our eyes. Amen.
1: Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of our look at financial distress and the thoughts of Jesus on money as outlined in His Sermon on the Mount. You can hear the whole of this message and find other resources from Pastor Jeff. Just search for Jeff Vines at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life.